So I, I preached too long the first service. Uh, so I'm not going to get into the intro because I'm going to do it again. Here's the deal. We're doing a series out of the, uh, uh, called Meaning in the Mist. And, and the gist of this is, is it's all out of Proverbs, but the base of it comes from two basic understandings of Proverbs that you have to have, and that's the lens uh, which you see Proverbs and uh, what Proverbs actually are. All right, you need to go through the book of Ecclesiastes, go back and listen to the message from a few weeks back that talks about the vapor and the mist. But Solomon says the vapor, uh, life is a vapor, life is a mist. Everything seems to be meaningless uh, because it, that you can't find meaning, you can't find purpose in the context of beginning and end or birth and death and time. And, and that, uh, as you go through, no matter what, well, I guess I am doing the intro, no matter what view you go through, I just can't start because it's just... It's so powerful. It's so important that we see it. And you can't go through life and, and, and isolate it and say, this is it. No matter what direction you go, wealth, pleasure, sex, building, working, kingdoms, whatever it is, you, you go, you can't ever say, this is what life's about. It's a vapor. You can see it. You can experience it. But right when you go to try to say, this is it, it's not. It fades away. It changes. It alters. Maybe it disappears altogether. And Solomon says, because you're looking for the purpose and the meaning of life outside the idea of a creator in eternity. And you'll never be able to find it. He goes, it's all like a vapor. At the end, he says, Proverbs has been put together. All of the wisdom that exists in the book of Proverbs, all of the wise sayings, all of the, the what is, the things that simply are. The Bible says that Jesus laid the foundations of the earth with wisdom. Those things, those pieces of information, he said, they've been compiled together in the book of Proverbs to guide you in this life so that you don't chase it trying to find meaning in the vapor, trying to find meaning in the mist, getting lost in the fog of life and wasting what little time you have. And you got to know what Proverbs is and the way it operates. Verse 6 says in Proverbs 1, verse 6, it says that, that, that this book has been compiled together to give you an understanding, inspired by God, to give you an understanding of the proverb or the figure or parable or the words of the wise and their dark sayings. That, that what we see in the book of Proverbs, every scripture they're not all exactly Proverbs. A Proverbs is something that points to wisdom, but some of them are figures or literary representations or parables, the same way that Jesus taught. He would tell you a story, and it really wasn't about the story. The story was pointing to something deeper, something deep, some wisdom, some philosophy, some idea, something, something that's difficult for the human mind to comprehend and understand and live out. So he gives it to us in parables or figures. And then the wise words, uh, the dark sayings of the wise, they're not dark like scary, terrifying, scary clowns with knives. They're dark like hidden. Like within the, the words of the wise, there's, there's hidden something deeper, a deeper concept. And so that's what we, we do. The thing the Lord has laid on my heart is to try to create a hunger in our people for his word and for his wisdom. Because each one of these could alter your life. Each one of these could add substantial value. Each one of these could save your marriage. Each one of these could change your financial picture. Each one of these, if you can get to the wisdom and you can apply it to your life, could alter your life forever. That was pretty good for not doing an intro. I just want to <laughs> throw that out there. But that's what Proverbs is, and that's what we're doing. So we're going to get into the third one today. It's Proverbs 24, starting with verse 30. Now, this is a longer one. This is a figure or a parable. This isn't actually a proverb. This is the first figure or parable that we're actually getting into. Verse 30, chapter 24, verse 30. says, I passed by, this is Solomon, I passed by the field of a slugger, by the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. Mm. 
Then I saw and considered it. Next verse. I looked and received instruction. All right, so I'm going to prove that you guys are judgmental and that Solomon is wise, okay? You could be wise too, but we're judgmental people. Here's why. When you drive by, especially, especially if you're the special type of people that think that the way your yard looks dictates the course of direction in life. <laughs> I personally hate you, but I just, that's just my opinion. It, in Christ. I love you in Christ. You drive by someone's yard that's overgrown. Maybe it's got a bunch of broken down cars out there, or weeds, engines, like Taylor Kell's house, our pastor, our worship pastor. What does that looks like? He owns a landscaping business, so he doesn't actually do any landscaping at his own house. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, you drive by somebody's yard that looks like that, and you think to yourself, loser. <laughs> Lazy. That's horrible. Right? Solomon stops and goes, hmm, I wonder what life-altering fact can I learn from this yard? That's why you're judgmental in Solomon, Solomon. Okay, so Solomon drives by, he sees a yard in this state. He sees this field, this vineyard, this man of a sluggard, this, this vineyard of a man who lacks sense. He says, I put it before my face. I considered, that's what the Hebrew says, I put it before my face. I considered it, I meditated on it, I thought about it, I thought it through. I looked at, I looked at the field, I looked at the state it was in, and then I just, I considered it. I put it before my face, I thought about it. And as I, as I, as I looked at it, I received instruction, I received insight, I received understanding, I received <laughs> wisdom. See, wisdom doesn't just come to you, and this is just a little 60-second bonus. See, a lot of times as we go through these series, a lot of times people are like, well, no, I just read Proverbs and I'm not any smarter. I did my proverb devotional today. I read 74 of them, and I don't feel any wiser. Why? Because you're reading them like you're reading the back of a grocery store cereal box. You have to stop. You have to look. You have to meditate. You have to pray, God, give me a wise and discerning heart. God, give me the ability to perceive and, and chew on it and think about it. And he says, I, I put it before me, and, and I considered it, and I received instruction. And so today I want to do something. I just want us to go through this first part of the scripture, and I want us to do what Solomon did. I want us to pretend that, that we're there with Solomon on that day, that, that we're, he's up there because he's the king, and he's either in some big chariot of gold or something, or like women are carrying him around, or he's just on some big stallion, and you're back here on a little mule. Okay? And you're riding down, and all of a sudden you see Solomon kind of start to slow down. You see his head go to the left. Everybody else is looking forward and his head's going to the left and he's just looking at this field and maybe he's starting to slow down a little bit. Maybe he even brings the whole, the whole uh, group to a stop and you see him just staring into this field and then you start to look into the field and you start to see the things that, that he's seeing and you start to consider. So I just want us to go into that place and ask him just look at this field. It says that, that he, he looked at this, man, uh, this, this field uh, of, a, of a sluggard, of a slothful man and he looked at this, this vineyard of a man who lacks sense. And this is what he saw. He saw it overgrown with thorns. The whole thing had been overgrown with thorns. That, that nettles, and I know everyone knows what a nettle is. I had no idea what a nettle was. So I had to do some deep spiritual Googling to get to it. People are like, I swear, people come up to me like I'm some kind of genius. And they go, how do you know all this information? I'm like, Google! Google! You can get anything you want on the internet. It's a privilege of our generation. So I googled nettles. Nettles are these prickly little weeds. 
And they grow up and they take over everything. And, and they're, they're, they're very uh, nutrient-rich, as in they take all the nutrients from the soil, which is bad if you're trying to grow grapes or vines or anything because it takes all the nutrients and it basically will starve out whatever produce is around it. Very, very horrible thing. And it says, so you've got the, the thorns that are overgrowing it, and you've got all these little prickly weeds everywhere covering the whole ground, and you've got the wall that's around it that's broken down. Now, I'm sure there's a bunch of other stuff going on, but this is the thing that Solomon points out. This is the thing that, that he's looking at. This is the thing. And so, so if Solomon's taking his time as he's teaching this wisdom and he's, he's teaching this proverb, he's laying out this parable, he's, he's trying to go deeper, he's trying to give us a piece of wisdom, he's trying to give us the what is, he's trying to give us something that could radically change our lives, he's trying to give us this. This is the stuff that he points out. So for us, if we're going through and we're reading this and we, we put ourselves in the story, we got to look. He, he calls out the thorns and the nettles and the wall that's broken down. And so there's something about that. There's some kind of uh, power that's deeper within that. There's something that I can see in that that I can bring into my own life. So what are some parallels? Part of this is I'm, I'm trying to teach us how to read it. I'm trying to teach us how to, as we go through the book of Proverbs, to understand that it's not first grade math or first grade English, that, that, that it takes a minute. You got you to gotta go. Somebody just goes, I didn't even get past that. Google. What do these things have in common? What, 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 what's uniting this front? Well, I mean, one, they're all threats. Every single one of this, this is a threat to the success of a field, to the success of a vineyard. It's all, it's all threats. If we start with the nettles, the, the nettles, these little things, that they're so nutrient-rich that they steal all the nutrients from around them. That, 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 that if it, it begins to get around, it, it, it's stronger. And I don't understand how plants can be stronger than other plants. I don't know the science behind that. But, but like when they, they get around, no matter where they are, they will take all the nutrients away from the other plants. And so no matter what it's around or what it's connected to or what, what roots are intersecting, it will take the nutrients. And so it will basically starve out whatever it is that you're trying to grow. In this case, it's a vineyard. It's grapes. All right, they're making grapes for the Baptists. If you're Methodist or Presbyterian, it's for wine. Okay, that was a church person joke. Is he condoning alcohol? Jesus' first miracle, he made like three thousand gallons of wine and threw a party. I'm leaving. Bye. Wine is one of the most valuable things in the day. Grapes and wine, the vineyard, that was, it's one of the most valuable things of the day. This field is, is very, very, very valuable, but all it takes is just the nettles to come up, and it will take the nutrients from it, and it will strip the goodness from the vine. No grapes, no produce, no wine, no resources, no success. The nettles alone would have destroyed the success of the vineyard. But then there's thorns too. See, the thorns grow up and there's this connotation that thorns will choke out the life of, of, of the produce or of the vine. And in some sense, that's true, but it, it doesn't actually stop it from growing. What, what a thorn will do, the nettles will prevent it from growing, but what a thorn will do, the, th the thorns will begin to grow around it, will grow up in between it. It actually won't stop. It won't actually kill the produce from, from growing. It won't stop the grapes from producing. It could, it could hinder it, but it won't stop it. But what it does is it, is it overgrows everything. It overgrows the posts, and it overgrows uh, the vines, and it overgrows the grapes. And there's no way that you can get to the produce, even if it survived. In order to take out the thorns, you would take out the vines. 
As soon as a vine wraps its way around it, whatever it's connected to, that is useless now. It's dead. Even if it's alive, even if it's still growing the thorns, you can't get to it. To take the thorns out, it would take out the vine. So the thorns in themselves, as soon as they get to the post, as soon as they get to the produce, as soon as they get to the vine, as soon as they get to the thing that's important, the things that you're trying to grow, as soon as it starts connecting itself, you're getting to the point where it's already too late. It's already starting to take it out. Forget the nettles of the wall. The thorns themselves would have completely brought devastation to the vines if you let them get that close and, and start growing up. <clears throat> and then you got really the, the, the most deadly thing, the reality that the wall around it is completely, the stone wall is completely shattered. It's broke. It's destroyed. It doesn't matter if, if, if what's going on inside, if the vines are growing and the grapes are the size of your head. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's a thousand miles of, of, of healthy, strong vines and healthy, strong, productive fields. If you don't have a wall around it, the animals will pick it clean. Long before the harvest gets there, long before it gets ripe enough for you to use, the animals will come in and they'll, they'll take it. The stone walls were immaculately important. I'm pretty sure that that's a word that I just used. Immaculately. Google. It's so valid. It's so important. It says that it's, that it's torn down. If you don't have a wall, no matter what grows or how healthy it is or, or what's going on, it will be taken long before you can use it, long before it's there. Each one of these things, they're massive threats. Massive. <clears throat> you don't need all three of them. If just one gets in this state. If just one, if just the nettles covers the ground, it'll die. If just the thorns grow up, it's too late. If, if just the wall was down. But Solomon says, I'm looking into this field. I'm looking into this vineyard of a man who lacks sense of a slugger. I'm looking in and it says that it's overgrown with thorns. Nettles cover the whole ground and the whole wall is destroyed. And I'm considering that. I'm meditating on that. I'm looking at that. And I prayed for God to give me the ability to perceive the instruction. And I received it. And then he shares what he received. Next verse, it says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. And there's some power in this, this, this scripture. There's some, there's some power in it. But at the, at, at the base of it, when you just look at it, it almost seems like it's disconnected. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. You guys know what a little folding of the hands to rest is? It's like you got some of you practice this on church every Sunday. You get in, it gets warm. You're like, he's just preaching really good. Folding of the hands to rest. I advise you, don't do that and let me see it, or I'll have fun with you in the middle of the service. <laughs> It will be fun. You may never come back, but everyone else will enjoy it. <laughs> just a little sleep, just a little slumber, just a little folding of the hands to rest. And then a robber, an armed man comes on you as if from nowhere. Now, what's cool about the Hebrew language is this word robber right here, the, the actual Hebrew, it spells out the idea of a traveler. There's a, there's a distinct name of a, of a robber that, tra that robs you while you travel. And, and when, especially when it puts this little thing on the end that connects. And if you don't believe me, go to what? 
Google, good job. If you don't, it puts on the end and it connects it to the, the subject at the end of the sentence. So they armed the armed man. And so it paints this thing that if you're, you're traveling on the road, that's what it literally says, a man who traveleth. You're traveling on the road. You're headed somewhere. You're going on a destination. You're going to a certain point. You have a thing in mind, a direction in mind. Maybe even it's the right direction. Maybe even it's, it's the thing God wants you to do in life. You're going to the right place. But then suddenly, out of nowhere, as if, as if unexpected, uh, an armed man, a robber, jumps out out of the hedges complete and it overpowers you and it prevents you from getting where you're going it takes everything it creates lack it creates poverty it just takes everything from you if you're not careful you will think that this this is talking that word poverty and and why you think it's just talking about finances and I believe that this can highly be applied to finances, but that's not the point of it. The point of what it is, he's, Solomon's trying to teach you something that, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful concepts that you could ever learn in your life. In fact, I, I would go as far as to say that this is one of the, the, the not understanding the principle that he's talking about, uh, not applying it and putting it in your life, is a big part of every single divorce that ever takes place. It's a big part, not understanding this and not applying what Solomon's trying to teach is a big part to every single family or person that finds themselves in financial ruin. Every single relationship from a parent to a kid that finds disaster, not understanding this and applying this, what Solomon's trying to teach is a big factor in that reality. And I would go as far as to say that any chaos, any destruction, uh, any death, any finality that comes to any part of your life even to the most extreme point, a big player in that is the reality of not understanding what Solomon's trying to teach here and not applying it to your life. Solomon says you're on your way somewhere and then as if from nowhere, an armed man, someone stronger than you comes up and overpowers you and you're no longer in control of where you're going. That's the picture he's painting at the end. And he says, a little sleep. Now, just understand that it almost seems a little sleep, a little uh, slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And, and then you're traveling or you're on your way somewhere. And then an armed man comes up and takes control of your life. And that's somehow connected to thorns and nettles and broken down walls. Okay, this is why Solomon, this is why the Bible says, there was no one like him before him and there'll never be anyone like him after. Because he can find life-altering realities out of Taylor Kell's yard. <laughs> it's really not that bad. I'm, I'm lying. Confession. Thorns. Nettles and broken walls. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And all of a sudden, whatever direction you're going, and an armed man comes up and overpowers you, and and then you have nothing in life. It creates poverty. It creates lack. It just overcomes you. Ruin overcomes you. There's another, and this is just, this is just getting to it. There's, a, there's another trait that all three of these things have. The thorns and nettles and the walls. There's another thing that runs parallel. There's another thing that connects them. And it's that they don't show up all at once or overnight. The thorns, they got to come from somewhere. You can see them. 
You can see them coming. You can see them getting close to the vine. You can see them showing up. If you're there and you're working hard and you're managing the field and you're paying attention and it matters to you, you can see the thorns coming from way off and it takes nothing. It's just walking up one little snip, snip, done. Over. Thorns are not a threat anymore. You can see the nettles pop up. You can see them coming from the east and from the west, from the north, from the south. You can see them coming. They don't just, they don't just show up in, in hordes as some giant army. They don't, just, they don't just show up. You can see them coming from way off. And the wall, walls don't just break down, barring like some tragedy or a tornado or a hurricane in the Middle East, which has never happened, but just barring some, some kind of force of nature, walls don't just break down. They start with just a little crack, and you can see the crack if you're paying attention, if you understand the value of it, if you, if you know that you don't have a lot of time, and you know that, that it's important, and you know that the vine and, and, and everything that's growing on the inside of the wall is valuable, and it's important, and you see the crack, it doesn't take anything to just fix it. Maybe a stone gets loose, one stone gets loose, and it, it starts to shift or, or go, or maybe even fall to the ground, and you, you could see it, and you could go, and you could fix it. The reality of it is, even though each one of these things will bring absolute chaos and absolute destruction, none of them actually show up overnight. Even though the nettles will bring absolute death to the vineyard, even though the thorns will absolutely destroy them, even though a broken down wall will absolutely, you can see them long before they can bring death into your life. You can see it long before it brings the chaos. You can see it, and it's easy, and it's small, and it's easy to deal with, and it's easy to manage. You just walk up, and you cut them, or you dig them up, or you just walk up, and you repair the crack. It's easy, unless you go just a little sleep. Oh, I'll deal with that crack tomorrow. Just a little slumber. I'll deal with the, I'll deal with the nettles tomorrow. I see them. They're way over there. They're not close to what's important yet. So I see them over there. I'll deal with them tomorrow. Just a little folding of the hands to rest. I see the thorns. I see the wall. I see the crack. I see the stone. But nothing can get over that wall yet. That crack's not that big. I'll just, I'll just rest today and I'll get to it tomorrow. I'll just take care of it next week. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of the hands to rest. And then all of a sudden, you're overcome by an armed man, by a robber that creates massive want, poverty, lack, need in your life, takes everything from you, brings ruin, destruction, chaos. You're on your way somewhere, and then it just seems as if from nowhere it takes you out of it. This is the what if. Chaos and destruction don't show up overnight in your life, but they grow slowly over time. They overtake different areas of your life over time. It's a, it's a slow process. It's a slow fade. Chaos doesn't come. We can go through tragedy and we can face tragedy and tragedy is one thing, but that's not what this is talking about. And most of the things that end marriages and most of the things that end relationships and most of the things that bring financial ruin to our lives, most of the things that bring chaos and destruction into our lives, they don't show up overnight. It's a slow process. It's just a small threat. It's just a small decision. 
It's just a small thought that you didn't capture. It was just a small, one small financial foolish person. It was just one thing. It was just one thought. And you just said, it's just this one little thing. It's just this one little thought. But what you don't realize is that if you don't deal with the cracks, and this is getting to the second piece, if you don't deal with the cracks when they're just cracks, eventually they will be completely destroyed. If you don't deal with the thorns when they're just baby thorns, eventually they will overgrow. If you don't deal with the nettles, what you don't manage in this life will eventually manage you. And that is an absolute fact. Your marriage ended. And it wasn't because there was one giant, horrible, bad conversation. Your marriage ended because there was one night when you went to bed angry instead of fighting for it. Getting to the bottom of it. Giving each other forgiveness and going to bed hand in hand. It wasn't just even, even the most distinct and brutal affair and adultery in life. It all began with one small thought in your mind. One inappropriate thought, one inappropriate thing, one inappropriate, and then it, and then it just grew, and you didn't, you didn't, I'll just deal with it tomorrow. It's just one thought. It's just a little bit of lust. It's just one little thing. It's just one little conversation. It was just one little hug. It was just one little moment. It was just one little kiss. It was just one little night. It was just one little moment, and now your kids are growing up without their father and without their mother, and, and you got one marriage behind you on your way to throwing away your second one, and it all started with just one little weed, just one little thorn, just one little crack, but you said just a little sleep and just a little slumber and just a little folding of the hands to rest and what you once could manage will grow up and it will begin to manage you. And then when you get to that place in life where you no longer want to have the divorce, you no longer want to be bankrupt, you no longer want, you want to go back and have a relationship with your kids when you had the opportunity to control it and manage it you didn't and it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew and now it's an armed man. It's a force to be reckoned with and you're on your way and now you're wise and now you've grown and now you want to do it right but it's too strong and it overtakes you and there's nothing you can do about it because it was just one little thought oh it's hard to clap at that stuff oh I get it I'm speaking to 84% of the men and 37% of the women the pornography addiction that you have in your life, it just started with one little moment. See, you didn't think that that one little magazine or that one little internet search, that one little moment, that one little thing when your friend was like, hey, check this out, that one little, you didn't think that 20 years later it would be dominating your life to the point you're about to throw away every relationship you have because you can't stop watching it. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. You are house poor. You, gotta, you, you worked hard your whole life and you finally got that image. And you are trapped at the job you're at that you hate, but you can't leave. Because you have built your entire financial life up to that moment, up to that point. You're going through what they call a midlife crisis. 
because you know what you're doing isn't what you want to be doing and you may even have had a few moments with God and you know that God's got you in a totally different direction, pulling you in a totally different way, but you are trapped because you are so finally upside, financially upside down in every area of your life, you cannot think straight. And that did not happen because of one moment, because of one bad purchase, because of one little thing of debt, because of one. It happened because of a very small decision, and then another small decision, and then another small decision, and then a little bit bigger decision, and then a little bit bigger decision, and all of a sudden, you're living the American dream. And you'll be working till you're 95 if you're lucky. You want to go explore life. You want to go do it, but you just can't. Every addiction begins with one small experience. The Bible describes sin like this. It says that sin, all ounces of sin, every realm of it begins as a temptation in your mind, a thought in your mind. And see, that one little thought, that's not a sin. And that one little thought doesn't appear to be dangerous. That's just a thought. It's just a thought. But the Bible says that that, that little thought, it'll begin to grow. That little temptation in your mind, it'll begin to grow. And, and you won't confess it because it's just a thought. You, you, you won't tell your wife about it. You won't tell your husband about it. You won't, you won't tell it. You won't confess it. You won't put it out there. You won't take away its power because it's just a thought. And so you don't ever learn to capture those little foolish thoughts and those little sinful thoughts, those little wicked thoughts. You don't, you don't ever think that it's just a thought. And the Bible says that that little thought, that little temptation, that it, it grows in your mind and it paints the picture of a pregnant and it says eventually that little thought un, 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 untaken care of undealt with that little thought that little threat that you didn't put out there that you didn't take away its power it begins to grow in your mind and eventually it gets it gets so full and so big that it will absolutely give birth to an actionable sin and now it's just a little sin it was just a little lie it was just a you know, where'd you go after work oh I went to hang out with the guys when it was carrying on a conversation you shouldn't have been having with a person you shouldn't have been having it was just a, a, a little, just a little, little, uh, just things aren't great between my wife right now and everything. And I just, and I just have all these feelings and it's just, it was just one small night and it just, and I just, just opened up the computer and it just, just happened. It's just one little thing. And I just felt like I worked so hard and I just, I've wanted this the whole way. I've wanted this, this car, this house, I've wanted this thing. And it was just, it's just one, it's just this one little purge. It's just this one little thing and, and I'm young and it's not a big deal. It's not that foolish. I can overcome. I can get past it. Just this one little, just one little sin, this one little foolishness, and just one little thing. And the Bible says, but that's not how sin operates. That that one little sin, you, you still don't confess it because it's just little. You still don't put it out there. You, you've crossed lines now. You, it's not up here anymore. It's in your life, but you still don't put it out there. It's just little, though. There's not a lot of power to it. You can still manage it. You can still control it. You can kind of still deal with it. But eventually, the Bible says that after, after that sin, that thought grows in your mind and, and gives birth to temptation. I mean, gives birth to sin. That little sin, it begins to grow. And when that sin grows, it becomes stronger and it becomes more powerful. And eventually, it says when that sin every sin, every little type of sin, every little type of, every, there's no such thing as a, as a little sin. Every sin will grow. And when it grows and it becomes full grown, the Bible says it will absolutely 100% bring forth death into your life. 
See, Christians have this misconception of sin and foolishness that we've given our lives to Jesus Christ and we've put our faith in Jesus and now we've been saved from our sins and we have eternal life with Christ so sin no longer has any consequences. Fool. He has taken on the ultimate punishment of sin, the ultimate death, that, that, that eternal separation from God. But sin still carries with it a natural consequence in this life. And just because you are forgiven of the sin does not mean that that sin will not bring forth death into your life. And Solomon says, and I just can't help to think that Solomon didn't have his own dad on his mind. See, because King David... Solomon's father. He was a great man. He was greater than any of us will ever be, all combined together. He was a man after God's own heart. He united all the tribes of Israel. He did things in a lifetime that very few men in history have ever done. He was a great warrior. He was famed throughout all the world. He was a poet. He was a musician. He was powerful. God loved him and God blessed him. But David had a few thoughts through the course of his life. And those thoughts grew and they became sin. And that sin grew. And eventually this man, this powerful man of God, this shepherd, that even Jesus himself is said the son of David. I mean, that's the honorary of a lifetime. And King David became an adulterer and a murderer because he didn't understand the power of what Solomon's trying to teach. See, this, this reality, this will bring down the greatest of us. And I know right now you're not thinking, I know it. I know right now you're just like all of us, we're so foolish in our hearts. We don't, we don't understand that the, the little decision we make right now, the little thing that we do right now, the little choice that we make right now, we see that threat coming right now. I believe with all of my heart, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you on different levels from sin to foolishness. He's speaking to you. And you know some of those little threats. You know that little bit of debt. You know that little bit of thought. You know that little small addiction. You know that, that little bit of sin in your life. The Holy Spirit's beginning to reveal it to you right now and you don't think in this moment that that is going to be the thing that eventually brings down your whole life but I promise you it will be you see it coming and right now your faith is in Jesus you've been filled with the Holy Spirit of God the power from heaven rests on your life and you can cut that thorn before it wraps itself around your throat you can, you can cut down that, that thorny little weed before it takes everything from you. You can fix the, the crack in the wall and put the stone back in place before you are defenseless to the hordes of hell. I promise you right now, God has promised that he will, you will overcome. You have a power to overcome. But if you choose to let it exist in your life, when you aren't looking, it will cut your throat wide open. When you aren't looking, it will take your children from you. When you aren't looking, it will ruin you financially. Right when you think, right when you don't get it, all of a sudden 40 years, 50 years, 60 years will go by and you will have nothing but a life full of regret. And it's because right now in this moment, you see that little thorn. So when you're a teenager, you don't understand. That's just a little sex. It's old-fashioned. We don't have to wait till we're married. It's just a little sex. It's just a little thing. It's a little porn, which you don't realize. Science has proven that having sex before marriage, outside of marriage, highly, highly, highly lowers your opportunity for success in marriage. Why do you think divorce is rampant the way it is? 
Why do you look into the culture? You think it's just a little fit. It's just a little this. It's just a little that. It rewires your brain. It lay, I'm telling you, there is no such thing. There's no such thing as a little lie. There's no such thing as a little manipulation, a little deceit, a little stealing, a, a, a little foolishness, a little this, a little that. Right now, I believe with all of my heart, what the Lord brought you here today to hear is that you are aware right now of what will destroy your life. You are aware right now of what will end your marriage. You are aware right now what will flip your world upside down financially. You are aware right now of the thing that holds you back from living the life God puts you on this planet to live and it is in your power to destroy and for the love of God and all he has done for you, destroy it. If it's a thought this morning, confess it. Put it out there. Bring it to this altar. Give it to God. If it's foolish lifestyle and foolish decisions, I promise you, you won't be 20 forever. Soon you will be 40 and 60 and 80 and dead. I promise you this life will move as fast as you can. And it's not going to be some huge storm of life that brings in destruction. It's going to be the day-to-day sin and the day-to-day foolishness that you let grow so big, it choked your life right out of you. But I'm telling you to the ones that are listening this morning, You can kill it today. You can choose today to change the way you're living. Choose today in the power of the Holy Spirit to change it, to to confess it, to take its power away. Don't let it stay hidden in your mind. Don't let it stay secret. Put it out there and depower it before it takes everything from you. Say, I'm a pastor. And I get to hear the stories that don't make it to Facebook. I get to hear the truth that that doesn't get put on Instagram. I I get to see the pain and the hurt. I get to see the tears in the children's eyes. I get to see people who want to do the thing the Lord has put on their heart, but they can't because they're so in debt they can't breathe. I, I see the pain. You don't see it, but you will. You'll see it one day. If you let it live today, one day you'll wake up and you'll look in the mirror and you will see that pain. I promise you. So we're going to worship in just a minute. I challenge you, be wise today. What is in your control today, if you don't control it, it will control you later in life. What you can manage today, if you don't manage it, it will be the thing that manages you later in life. Pray to the God who created you. Pray to the Christ who saved you to reveal these little threats, these little thorns, these little cracks in your marriage, in your financial life, in your relationships. Deal with them before they destroy you. Just a little sleep, just a little slumber, just a little folding of the hands to rest. And you'll wake up to a life of enslavement to this world and to this culture. If you guys will stay.